All right, welcome to the Peyton Years, your home for Oregon State men's basketball, the only podcast in existence dedicated solely to Oregon State men's basketball. As always, I'm your host, Andy, and I'm here with my friend, Sam. Sam, how are you doing? I'm, I'm doing fantastic, Andy. Of course, there's no other way to be when you have the honor of being co-host of the only podcast in existence dedicated solely to Oregon State men's basketball alongside yourself, of course, and, you know, the... As we sit down to record this on a on a gloomy outside Sunday afternoon, the, the entire sports world's focus, I think, is 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 directly on one thing, on a on a Taylor Swift level of of popularity, one would say. And I am, of course, referring to the Beavers 2-0 sweep of the Arizona schools Thursday and this past Saturday. I, I'm ecstatic right now. Yeah, uh, we're coming to you live from the end of what is quite possibly the best basketball weekend for Oregon State in the history of the program, if you factor in um, both the men's and the women's team. Oregon State just- men's basketball coming off their obvious 2-0 sweep of the Arizona schools, including a victory over on the buzzer over number nine, Arizona, the first win over a top 25 team over a ranked team in eight years for Oregon State men's basketball. The women's team swept uh, Colorado and Utah, the number three team, Colorado and the number 16 team in the country, Utah. So blue Utah, blue Utah out 91 66. So hands down, maybe the best basketball weekend of all time for the Beavers. We're going to break down everything for you and look ahead to the UCLA and USC games. But first, as always, the Oregon State fight song. Uh, you just skip along to it, don't you? Well, it feels even better coming after a weekend like this. We're used to listening to that for it to buoy our spirits or pick us up after a tough loss. Uh, it's rare that we get to listen to it in a celebratory high, but that's definitely what we're doing today. It's it's a different kind of drug. It has the same effect no matter what mood you're in. It pulls you up, but when you're already up, it's a it's a whole new kind of feeling. It's indescribable. Yeah, this just went federal. Oh. Um, all right, so let's break it down. So Oregon State, let's talk about the first game. Uh, Oregon State beat Arizona, the number nine team in the country, 83-80, to 80, on a buzzer-beating three by Jordan Pope. Uh, the biggest bounce. Oregon, so we talked last week with uh, Coach PC about how hard fouls, falls equals high bounces. And I think we've never seen a bounce this high before, a bounce this big. What uh, stands out to you from the game? Well, yeah, you know, we just you just kept going back to Coach PC's words as that second half went along, and then the Beavers kept hitting threes and getting stops and just took control, and you felt that Gill magic sort of fill the air, and 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 what a rallying cry again. You know, we salute Coach Gabe. I th- I think that the the big bounce started with our last podcast and. Uh, um, I, I can't recall a better performance in some time, at least offensively, given the opponent and everything. It all started, of course, with Jordan Pope, who if he doesn't win Pac-12 Player of the Week, I'm rioting. There's no way he won't. Jordan Pope uh, finished with 31 points on 9 for 15 shooting, had five assists, including just the walk-off three-pointer for a walk-off three-pointer. He was really in his bag this entire game, just – step backs can get whatever he wants in the Arizona players. It is 
Bill Walton, who was on the call, and I think it was his first Beaver game of the year. He did a great job. One of the better uh, Bill Walton games I've listened to, but he compared Jordan Pope to Steph Curry. And at this point in the season, especially after this weekend, it's getting hard not to make that comparison on a consistent basis because he's playing the exact same way. Anytime he puts it up, you think it's going good. You have to guard him from 30 feet out, and he's crossing people up. He's an amazing dribbler. Yeah, he said before, he said it on this podcast, that's his favorite player growing up, and he's kind of that first generation of players that's been watching Steph Curry play since they were maybe five, six years old. And it shows in his game. And that that buzzer beater, I mean, obviously we're biased. It's maybe my favorite of all time. And we've seen a ton of good ones. I'm a big Blazer fan. It was Dame-esque. It was Kobe-esque. Whoever you want to compare it to. It was one of the more money shots in any situation, let alone buzzer beaters I've ever seen. Slow it down, run the time off the clock. On the call, they were saying, they were going to go, well, they just wasted five seconds. Yeah, but you get a little anxious. Got him right to the point he kind of wanted to. Hit a, a crazy step back. I don't know. Took three or four steps <laughs> in the span of one step to get a little bit of space on K.J. Allen, who's a very good defender, an NBA-level athlete. Like, this Arizona team is good at defense. This one made the – Oregon State offensive uh, performance, even that more impressive. You know, they're loaded athletes, um, which we'll talk about later in a second. But, yeah, that shot, just getting just enough space. And he must have shot at 40 feet in the air. Like, it was such a high arcing shot to get it over K.J. Allen's up arms because he played great defense. Like, he Jordan Pope got enough space with the step back, but it wasn't like he crossed K.J. Allen up. Like, he was right there in the play, and he was making it towards the end. Um, so – just, I don't know, an amazing, an amazing game, an amazing finish, everything you want in a Beaver basketball game. I mean, just unbelievable. I, I, I will, on a personal note, I give a shout out to to our friends, uh, Cam and Corbin, who who did make the trip to Corvallis for the game with me. My car did break down. Everyone was safe. It could have been a lot worse. I'll trade a, a car for a, a win like that any day. I'm crazy enough to say that straight faced. And yeah, I was getting extremely jealous because you uh, had attempted to go down to the Arizona game. I couldn't make it because I had uh, a very busy work schedule this week. And as I was watching the game, I was getting so jealous. I was getting so mad at my job and just life in general for getting in the way of me being at this Oregon State Arizona game with you. And then with about like eight minutes to go in the second half, I see your car getting towed in front of our house. You come in five minutes later and immediately I feel much better about all my life choices. And then we both get to watch the game together, which is what we wanted. It was a magical finish again, given the the end result. I wouldn't trade it for anything. We got to I, I the name of the roadside barbecue place. It seemed very fake. Um, it did not seem like a real place, but they had the game on. So we got to watch it as we waited for the tow truck, and it it all worked out very favorably. Yeah, just an amazing game. Oregon State shot 56% from the floor, 60% from three-point range. Everyone's putting up shots. Um, everyone's hitting them. Tyler Bildo with some huge threes, a, a three-pointer with a man closing out right in his face from that left corner. You've seen him get really good at that kind of like free-throw line extended right and left side three-pointer. I feel like he's really got that shot figured out. He had 22 points on 8 for 10 shooting and had 7 rebounds. That's extremely impressive when you consider that he's going up against what many people consider to be the best front court in the Pac-12, if not one of the best in the country. And, uh, and they Abal couldn't do anything with him. Yeah, and Balo and um, Johnson, the transfer from San Diego State, two extremely athletic, extremely strong players, very big, very physically imposing. And yeah, you just saw, I think, the weight room work that Tyler put in in the offseason. You saw that come into play where he's not getting pushed around and then – you see that really just allow him to open up and show his skill. And he's such a good shooter and has such good touch, just so strong. And 
it was really interesting that me and you, we, we talked about it with Coach BC, kind of asked us, well, what's the identity? What should this team go for? And we said, you know, this team's got to be really good defensively. And then Jordan Pope and Tyler Bilodeau have to show up and become like the dominant players that we think they can be. And they both responded in the like better than any better than they had any right to honestly like that was this was the dream scenario for how those two players respond from the previous crushing weekend that they had you know and that that was super impressive and i don't know i don't know who played better and i want to also give a shout out to michael retire had 12 points and seven rebounds he had five points of five points uh in a crucial play in the second half including getting a rebound and taking it coast to coast for a layup he's so strong that he is able to get, I think, to the rim better than people believe, especially if he builds up a head of steam. And he played so well. Everyone everyone played well. There was not a single player, I would say, had an off game against Arizona. Everyone locked into the extreme. He was kind of the, the third guy in the big three in both games this weekend. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the seven rebounds were huge, two assists. So he had to steal two block shots. So in a game where you're going to – when you play Arizona, you're, you're going to give up a fair deal of points. They're going to push the pace. They did everything they could to speed things up. But so those defensive plays are huge and kind of the difference in the game. Yeah. You know, this, and I think Tinkle deserves a lot of credit too, because, you know, clearly everyone was ready to play. The guys on the team deserve a lot of credit for being locked in, but the Oregon state was down by what? Eight points at halftime. No. Yeah. Eight points at halftime. It could have easily, played out the way it had in the last couple of games and they could have let go of the rope. And instead you saw them fight back in the second half, take the lead, take a big lead. And then in a classic Beaver fashion, allow Arizona to score like eight points in the last minute and a half, including a four point play, um, which was truly devastating. And then you saw them tie it up with the Pelle Larson free throws. And you thought, okay, this is just, maybe this is going to be a good loss. This is going to get away. And then to see it end with the Jordan Pope three, so unbelievable. Yeah, the perfect ending to a, to a near perfect game. To, uh, you know, aside from the last two minutes or so leading up to the Jordan Pope buzzer beater, where yeah, after they took that nine point lead, it got a little bit scary. But they showed tremendous poise, never gave up the lead. You know, the worst case scenario after those Larson free throws was probably overtime because they did a great job of taking care of the ball in this game. Thirteen turnovers to that team is pretty impressive, and obviously. It started with Pope and Bilodeau and then Retai, but give credit to guys like Abekwe, who, who uh, you know, was hampered by foul trouble a little bit, but he had a big bucket early in the game that kind of set the tone and, and was big late in that one. Akano had eight points, and then they didn't use their bench a ton. Josiah Lake didn't score, but 15 minutes from a walk-on guard against Arizona with two assists and no turnovers is... And two steals. And two steals, so he was, he was big. Christian Wright played 20. This was a big weekend for him. Yeah, Christian... Christian Wright played really well. Uh, I, I think he's going to benefit more because you saw them doing more against Arizona, but they played a lot of just different types of zone, matchup zone, one three one, two three. They didn't really try and go man to man against the size. And Christian Wright's such a smart, versatile defender, especially when he's kind of playing one of those top guard spots in the zone, and he can roam a little bit and use his intelligence to pick passes off or just be in the right place at the right time. Like, I think he really benefits from that, but he played really great this weekend. Yeah. And it's not one of three from three point range, but it, that's good to see. I mean, I just putting I, up three, three pointers is good to see from him. Right. If he's going, um, had three points in this one, we'll talk about the Arizona state game where he was big too, but it's nice to see him getting two, three looks a game because he's starting to make them. And if there, if any offense from him is a plus to me right now, especially the way, Pope and Bilodeau are playing. It, yeah, it's, 
it's really impressive just on all fronts. I mean, you didn't think that Oregon State would respond. It almost leaves you speechless. But they, I don't know, big bounce. You know, we, I, it's hard not to to think about the promise season after a win like that. And, and we talked on our last podcast uh, about, you know, you, you, you don't want to compare these two teams because there's a lot of basketball left. But the promise season started very similarly, frankly, to the way that, that this one did. And they, the, you, they had their game against Arizona where they were blown out pretty badly. And that turned out to be the, the turning point. And, and you just hope the same thing about the mountain school's road trip, because what, what a swing, what a swing. Um, anything else you want to cover from the game basketball wise? I've got a couple of Bill Walton quotes that I want to throw in from his uh, time up there. Yeah, give me, give me the Walton quotes. Okay. Well, one, I, I do want to point this out too. In this first half, when Oregon state is, uh, down by eight, 10 points kind of consistently to Arizona. They can't seem to get over the hump. It does feel a little bit like, you know, this isn't going to work out for the team. Bill Walton said, brought up that Wayne Tinkle, they they had a show, They um, the guy he was calling the game with, they put up pictures of him and his family and his dog. It was just his dog's birthday and they had a picture of his dog in a birthday hat. And uh, Bill Walton used that as a segue to mention that Wayne Tinkle's family dog, Bevy, passed away in the off season <laughs> and then compared him to a sad country song where everything's going wrong. Um, <laughs> so that was good. He had also said that Washington State was the best team in the Pac-12 and that they have everything you want in a basketball team. And then he also said that Alexander Graham Bell definitely envisioned cell phones when he was setting the first transcontinental uh, phone line up. Which, you know, maybe he did. I thought about that more. I was like, he is a genius. You know, they had radio waves. Maybe maybe that's not so far-fetched. But I love that he was able to, right. to bring that up in a basketball game. Right. I don't necessarily have a strong opinion on that statement. I, I think he's clearly given it more thought than I have. I just wonder what about being in Gill Coliseum <laughs> watching a basketball game would make him think to bring it up. Exactly. Um, anything else you want to cover from the game? I, I think it's it's not the first time that the Beavers have, have beaten a top 10 Arizona team on a buzzer beater. Shout outs to DeAndre Tanner, Langston Morris Walker, guys like that. But it's um, the best win in a long time, I think, fair to say. Best win in a very long time. Great feeling. All right, so should we move on to the Arizona State game? Let's do it. It's another one I'm looking forward to talking about. Okay, so Arizona State uh, came into Gill uh, yesterday. Me and you were both in attendance for the game along with a couple of uh, my girlfriend and our friend, a very, very fun atmosphere. Oregon State won 84 to 71. I will say just right off the bat, the stadium felt much more crowded than normal. The energy was good. I think that you're starting to see fans return back to this team, which is great to see. Um, but what stood out to you in a game that was honestly kind of a drubbing of Arizona State? The game was not as close as the score indicates. No, and it's still a 13-point win. You know, you take a result like that any time in conference, even in a home game, of course. But just uh, – I looking uh, putting aside the ridiculousness that is Arizona State and everything that that comes with playing against them every time a very strange basketball game in in a lot of ways. Yeah, Arizona State was coming off a tough loss uh, to University of Oregon, um, where they had been up in the first half and they got completely outclassed in the second half to lose, you know, fairly handily um, to the Ducks and. I think me and you kind of talked about this on the pod. I made the prediction that this was going to be the game, the Oregon State game that broke the Arizona State teams back, and you were going to see them flip-flop in the standings by the end of it all and see Arizona State kind of spiral as Oregon State steps up. That does seem, I feel like, to be 
early on. Very possible. Very possible. Arizona State came out incredibly flat. The defense for Oregon State really took it over. They were down. Oregon State, I think, came down five to two and then ended up with like a 14 or 16 point scoring run to have an 18 to five lead early on in the game. Never really looked back from then. Pressed it into the 20s in the second half. Uh, just or again, same old story that it was not same old story, but same story that it was with Arizona, Arizona, Jordan Pope and Tyler Billado lead the way. Pope had 19 points, could get really any shot he wanted to in the first half, had 13 points in the first half, including an insane. He's on such a heater. He had an insane one footed three point floater. So casual. At, so casual at the buzzer over like three Arizona players at the first half buzzer. He is on a hot streak. He had 19 points. Tyler Bilodeau finished with 18 and seven rebounds. Michael Ty had a double-double with 16, 10, uh, 16 points, 10 rebounds, two steals. So, again, kind of that big three you were talking about. And all sophomores from that promised, vaunted freshman class and the top three prospects out of it. So you're seeing that kind of play out well. Um, but, yeah, Arizona State just came out so flat and didn't seem to respond well to the challenge at all. Frankie Collins was nowhere to be found. The bigs had a – Really hard time with Casey Abekwe and Tyler Bilodeau and Michael Rotai in the post. They were incredibly concerned with Jordan Pope. At one point, for most of the game, they had Alonzo Gaffney, their 6'9", 6'10", center guarding Jordan Pope because he is very agile. He's a quick, quick-footed, quick kind of skinny, uh, quick-twitch 6'10", for sure. But that left no one in the post to help out, and Oregon State just took tremendous advantage of that. Not a close game at all. Um, so not close that Bobby Hurley, who's famous for taking off his tie in every single game – and losing his absolute mind, didn't even take off his tie in this game. No, he he uh, sat down around the six and a half minute mark of the second half. We we were yeah because of how flat they were. We 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 lost out on you know the the chance to see him do a lot of the things he usually does in a basketball game. But it was a beautiful thing to see to hit, watch him sit down for a good two three minute stretch from about the six to three minute mark at the end of the game where he just kind of looked powerless and out of ideas. Yeah. He, it seemed like a man who had nothing worth fighting for because he just did not care towards the end. And his team was not giving him a lot of reason to kind of clap back. Jose Perez played pretty well. He had 19 points. He's kind of the uh, more stout, <laughs> um, very tattooed Latino guard transfer. who's very good shooter. He, he played a lot more inside in the post. He's been leading, I think, the Pac-12 in three-point percentage this year. But he uh, – and that might be a made-up step. I know he's, I think, in the it, top he's five. He's up there, yeah. yeah he's, he was very, 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 very good shooter. He only took one three-pointer, did a lot of work in the post. He, he played really well. Frankie Collins ended up with 14 points, which is kind of surprising. But it took him 16, 16 shots, shots to get there. He was one for seven from three. Didn't have a lot of life. I will say I liked um, Jemiah Neal's game. He only had eight points, but I thought he kind of made the most difference on the Arizona team just in terms of kind of forcing things to happen outside of Jose Perez. Yeah, I mean, it, we'll give Arizona State credit for falling behind, looking terrible at the start of the game. The Beaver, Both Billado and Pope started on fire. They couldn't make anything, so the lead grew very quickly. And Bobby Hurley did make the decision early to just go to that – full court press where they're trapping and going for every steal and kind of treating it like it was the very end of a game, even though there was like maybe 12 minutes left in the first half and they just stuck with it the whole game. And it made it very long. They did a ton of fouling and it, the game took almost two and a half hours. It was closer to like an end or like a game that went into overtime or something. Yeah. They went to the classic Arizona state strategy of let's foul Let's press and foul every single possession, every single time the person's in front of us. The refs 
will not call all of it. These refs uh, were kind of on top. We're kind of on top of it, but just forced to a very long game. And then Bobby Hurley resorted to intentionally fouling with about three minutes left yes. in the game to extend it in like a 20 point blowout. I think, and the closest thing you will see to a, a coach having a temper tantrum possibly, or what's the, what's the equivalent of it? Like acting out at your office job, you know, right. That's kind of what the equivalent of it was not very entertaining to watch. So. It was kind of a real, like the real life version with someone who makes a ton of money to do their job acting like a kid in 2k who was getting his ass beat so he just would like using timeouts and fouling and just doing everything to not let the game end so that the person can get their win and move on and you know to their credit they did force a fair amount of turnovers throughout the game that were the result of that press and the beavers missed a lot of free throws at the end yeah the beavers went 29 for 49 (laughs) so they missed 29 not close. I think the the record is in the 60s, apparently. Yeah, they didn't push that. And it felt almost worse because most of those misses, I would say, at least half of them came in the last three to five minutes when Arizona was fouling a lot. And so that just shows you it, it, it 13-point game, but it felt a lot worse than that. Um, all right. Anything else you want to cover from the Arizona State game? Uh Let's talk a little bit more about like just the individual players. I do want to say that Christian Wright, he had 10 points, five yeah. or six for the free throw line, made both of his shots, including a, a three-pointer. He's playing really well, coming into his own. Um, Mike Ortai, again, had that good game, 16 points, 10 rebounds. Just, he's looking much more confident offensively. And when he gets those little post-up fadeaway shots where he drives in, takes a hard dribble to knock the up player back a little bit, and then just takes a slight little fader when that goes in it opens up the Oregon state offense so much more makes it so much more dynamic and honestly gives it more of a scoring inside presence than when they just try and do straight up post feeds to like Casey at Beckway or Shoal. Yeah. He played like an all conference guy this weekend, the double, double, what he did against Arizona, almost getting close to one in that game too. And I know it's at home and we've talked about it. It's been talked about. I was listening to the note to our friends at the no truck stops, pod this morning doing their recap of kind of the whole conference and just talking about how it's true across college basketball but especially in the Pac-12 the teams are playing a lot better at home than they are on the road and so I know it's home games but Retai looked like he could be on that like first or second team all conference in these two games at least he's coming to his own just as much as anybody no yeah he's definitely looked good I also want to talk about so Casey Beckway he had eight points on four for six from the field six rebounds um he's looking so good in the post i think just in terms of being able to like get you kind of those individual matchups and go and be kind of a scoring threat in limited numbers almost kind of like a uh, pitch pinch hitter or maybe like a closer in baseball like a closing pitcher yeah. um but it's looked really good and you could tell they were kind of going to him in spurts where he was in there they were trying to post him up against alonzo gaffney almost every single time because there's just such a weight and physicality difference i kind of like the idea of transitioning them into just like instead of trying to get casey beckway to play like the 30 minutes a game that we were kind of hoping for at the start of the season i like these kind of like short spurts short targeted spurts and then playing more zone kind of like the longer wing power forward types like retai and billado and letting them battle i agree i mean it's it's situational a little bit and as soon as they went to that full court trapping press that's not the best time to have KC out there. No. And so that's going to limit his minutes in the same way that when he gets into early foul trouble, it will as well. But I, yeah, he was very, very good. That you, The only thing 
you ask more from him is the 0 for 4 free throws. And yeah. he wasn't the only one missing him. He was the only, he, uh, Akano, the other bad one, one of four, because Dexter had some nice drives. He had an excellent finish as well that's overshadowed a bit by Bilodeau's dunk, which was. Casey Beckway had two dunks in Casey one game. Casey had two himself, which, yeah, the first time he's doubled up on it, we. We haven't sounded the Ibekwe dunk watch since he got his first one against Arizona State actually last year. And so does KC Ibekwe own Arizona State? It's hard to say, but it's starting to look that way. It's starting to feel that way. I also want to say Josiah Lake had six rebounds in 14 minutes. I think anytime he comes into a game, he just makes – he finds an area and he makes an instant impact. He had a lot of really great defensive rebounds, and you're going to need a player like him to do that if you're going to go smaller in these zones like it seems like Tinkle wants to do. He, he's showing a, more and more comfort a, a, in the same way a lot of the sophomores are, and it's very, very impressive. I mean, he the press bothered. It's the first game of his collegiate career he had more turnovers than assists. It was two to one, and that's due to the press and being in there for that. But and that getting a lot of benefits from the doubt on the calls. I feel like he no. was the one player they really let the Arizona State team rough up, and some of those traps, it's like he's getting – clearly just raked across the arms yeah, as he, he tries a to look step at the through. official in a, in a shrug which he he does not do very often yeah so i do think of him i i'll say i mentioned dejon craig got in he missed that, i think this is the most surprising to me he missed two free throws which is just shocking me because he's got such perfect form so i think maybe that's just you know not getting in a while maybe a little bit of the jitters but little it was good to, good to see him get on the floor yeah i liked that wayne put that he took jordan pope out with about three minutes and the beavers were up about 18 but arizona state was pressing and fouling and making it feel in some ways like it was a closer game and i think he just made the call that we can get him back in if they really fumble this, you know, we've got, but we've got enough of a cushion. This guy's played so many minutes. He did it a little bit with Billado too, and getting Gavin Mars in for the first time when they didn't play the first 37 minutes, but it was nice to see. And th those guys, aside from missing free throws, handled the press pretty well. And it was a, a smooth landing, even though Arizona state did hit a shot or two, they called the timeout with like 50 seconds left, but yeah, Jordan Pope played 36 minutes in both games. So, I think he's it was good to see him get some rest at the end of that one. Then, yeah, I can't remember the stat they had in the Arizona game, but I, I think that Jordan Pope is very close to the top uh, in terms of minutes per game in the Pac-12. He's got to be. I know Okano was too until he had some injury stuff and only 22 minutes in this one. Which I, I, he's had such bad luck. Did he get a contact knocked out or just he got hit in the face? And I think he was bleeding. Yeah, at which they they went to the monitor. Did not, of course, change it to a. <laughs> A flagrant. I think when a guy can't shoot his own free throws because he's bleeding from the face, it might be worth considering getting it to just one, maybe because it's an injury or something. And we lost our starting player and one of the guys that averages double figures for a part of the game, but whatever. It's yeah. not a game I should complain too much about anything, I suppose. I will say, and uh, just in a shout out to the Arizona State or the Arizona game, Bill Walton said that Dexter Acano is the only player in the history of basketball that's more injured than Bill Walton was himself. And then he listed off all the injuries that Dexter's had. And it is quite the substantial well, Dexter's really put his body through it to get the, to get the scholarship shout out to him. He's played through a very large litany of myocarditis. Of I don't know. Including that, illnesses. Yeah. Right. Just everything. I don't it's, think, I don't know if that was around. <laughs> that's probably been, know showing my ignorance in the medical area but bill certainly didn't know what that was in his playing no and that wasn't one of the ones he mentioned but yeah that's he's, okay so <laughs> that's hilarious um all right anything else from the arizona state game before we look ahead what? to the two upcoming games a magical magical game just as it was a uh, thursday shout outs to trevor kramer for hooking us up as always um 
yeah, we had a great time, had a gill dog, had it pregame, which is the time to have it. We've, we've got that dialed in, but um, uh, it's, it's worth pointing out that uh, the Beavers, because of the way they scheduled it, when they go to Arizona, they're only playing Arizona State. So we will see this crew again. Who knows where they'll be at in their season. They're still above 500 in the Pac-12 and in the top half, so the possibilities for them are abound as well, but they're just such a roller coaster. It will be very interesting. But for Arizona, that's it. You want to come back to Gill, ask someone about it. Otherwise, fuck you and, and good luck being in the middle of the pack in the Big 12. Because that is going to be – that's a grindhouse of a league, I yeah, will say, that, from afar. That is, yeah, that, that's going to be tough for them. But I think they will rise to the occasion. They'll do good. They're a good program, and that's why – it's tough to see them go, but it's good to see them losing Gill on their way out. Yes. I mean, the way it wanted to go conjures images of Lute Olson always refusing to talk to the media after <laughs> games of Gill and seemingly being the only one aware of the magic. Exactly. Um, all right. Let's look ahead. So Oregon State is taking on the L.A. schools. They've got their road trip coming up this weekend. I will say this. Currently, Oregon State is the only school in the Pac-12 to not win a game on the road. They are 0-4. Um, despite now being in 11th place, they've jumped over USC to 11th place in the Pac-12. There's three teams ahead of them, UCLA, California, and Washington, that all have four wins. So you could see some significant movement if uh, they do well on this road trip. But let's break it down. Oregon State taking on uh, UCLA first, I believe. Yes. Uh, UCLA is coming off a bit of a better season. They just they just beat uh, USC by 15 points. Um, take that for what you will. USC is the rails have really come off over there. They also beat Arizona State recently by two points in a game where Arizona State had four technical fouls and a flagrant foul. And they, then that that classic Bobby Hurley group poise with a late lead down the stretch and things maybe not going your way. They, they really kept their eye on the prize in that one. Yeah, that was good. And then they only lost to Arizona by six, so a good loss. This team is coming back a little they bit. They got into... screwed in that one, by the way. We point out Beaver bias, and we're not exactly ones to, to sympathize for Bruin bias. That's not a thing that exists. I'm sorry I even said it, but... They in that game, it the 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 press was on. For, it was a lot of eight on five basketball. So we will give them credit for playing well lately. Yeah, I do remember. Uh, shout out to Marla texting with Marla during that game and saying that Arizona is the only team that can get me to to beg the refs for a, a Dembona <laughs> a Dembona foul. Right? Can, can we get one our guy to the line once, please? Um. So UCLA looking better. They've got uh, Oregon State played them very close at Gill. They were one of the early first losses, but should have been close to a win. I will say should have been close. <laughs> I, I it, right, I, a game the Beavers very well could have won. What UCLA is struggling with right now, above all else, is guard play. Now they've got Dylan Andrews, who's one of the better freshmen in the Pac-12, but he's just not very consistent. He's very fast and athletic, a quick twitch, but I just don't know if the ball handling skills are there for what you need from your lead guard at this level especially at this point in the season. They're still looking for answers on the inside, outside of Bona. So if he gets into foul trouble, look out. He's been in foul trouble in every game except for the one against Oregon State. So hopefully I think that's not a there's been one or two in addition Jeez. to the Bs where he's avoided it. But, yes, he typically gets can you know at least two or three and, and has to deal with that late in the game. And so hopefully that's the case with this one. What are some uh, keys to you from the game, Sam? 
the, Sebastian Mack is their freshman. Oh yeah, Sebastian Mack and Dylan Andrews is the sophomore. Yes, so he he's a very talented player. He's become their leading scorer. He's had some very like pup turning into a dog like moments in some late in some of these wins. Even the Arizona game that they almost he's very good at getting from. to the rim. He's very a very yes. aggressive, very good at getting to the rim. That is right. That to say that even when things are going well, when things are going their best for them, they're getting threes from. Guys like Stefanovic, who's the one consistent three-point threat they have. He leads them in minutes. He's the transfer from Utah, one of the only yeah. Mick Cronin likes experienced him. guys they have. Yeah, Mick likes him because he's really tough and solid. He's not a standout player, but he's not going to make mistakes, and he'll get in there. And hard kind of, nose. Yeah, yeah. yeah, hard nose, definitely. And so, the, uh, but typically, they, they are not a very good three-point shooting team. They rely on mac to get to the rim and bona to score in the post and then hope just kind of hope they get what they can from burke i know it's not how you say his last name i just like saying it this way but booyak tunsil and then uh it's interesting will mcclendon who we personally really like he's not having a great year but 20 minutes a game he's played in all 20 games shooting 40 percent from three yeah i was gonna say he's probably their best three-point shooter outside of stefanovic and probably has a better percentage than him just because I think teams tend to key in on uh Stefanovic yeah, he's more. getting more open spot up looks and he really hurt he played good against Beavers. Oregon State he's a very yeah really big fan of Will McClendon's game it's understated but with a little bit of flair very good passer just kind of a timely player it kind of reminds me a little bit of Tiger Campbell but without the ball handling skills yeah absolutely and there's it's, it's no, not just the dreads right it, it it's similar sm flair I think as you said in smoothness but no nowhere near the the dribbling ability and, and way to dictate an offense that Tiger had. But it's a team that I think I don't mean to pat myself on the back and maybe we're just feeling good because of the two and oh homestand. But when we talk about UCLA last when the after the Beavers lost a game we feel they should have won. I the a lot of UCLA fans were very upset about the way the season was going, but um they're playing better. I think my take aged well. They I almost beat Arizona. They're becoming a very difficult out. Yeah, Mick Cronin's too good of a coach, too good of a defensive coach not to like make guys play defense, which is the offense has been struggling, but the defense has been on point. I mean, they held USC to 50 points the other day. Right. So. He has taken extreme measures to get to turn the corner a little bit. I mean, as far as like questioning his player's capacity to learn to the media. And, He's been uh, very sending an assistant coach to talk to them because his post-game message was going to take too long. But um, despite that, yeah, they they rebound well. They're, for, bottom line, it's a team that's very similar in it's, many ways to the Beavers in my No, it, it is. And honestly, if you look at their season, they had their own kind of come-to-God moment after their own Utah game where they lost 90-44. to 44. Yeah. Um, They've played much better since then and have and, only lost one game since that complete drubbing and what was literally one of the worst losses in UCLA history. So a team that's galvanized, a team that's got something to play for, if not for the – at least to get McCrony to stop yelling at them and berating them in public. Right. That that was certainly they're going to be their rock bottom. And uh, I, I expect that if the Beavers want to win, you know, they're they're probably going to have to win a rock fight to some degree. But you hope that Billado and Pope stay on fire. And, I think if you keep the same formula, this is a team that can beat UCLA. Right. And they get what they can from the bench. We should mention quickly Thomas Endong. Is, uh, had a nice weekend, played 14 minutes or so both games, and provides size when Ibekwe's in foul trouble and Bilodeau needs a rest. And yep, they'll need taking up space, certainly. He's they'll need, plays. Yeah, they'll need him and Casey and probably even Scholl because Adem Bona is a very big handful from the post. Yeah, we didn't see Scholl against 
Arizona State. Only saw him briefly against Arizona. But it's been, if Mara is playing, that's a great chance to have Shoal out there and hopefully he can hit a three and make that's, a player too. That's great. That's what we really want to watch for is the two seven-foot-three uncoordinated <laughs> freaks going at yes. ISO v. ISO. Um, all right, let's move on to the USC game. Things have completely come off the rails for USC. They are the worst team in the Pac-12. They are riding a five-game losing streak since beating Stanford in January 6. Uh, what stands out to you from this game? Isaiah Collier is still hurt, I believe. Is, or is he back? Uh, Boogie Ellis has been hurt for them as well, too. Boogie Ellis played in the last game. Okay, so he But returned. Collier is still out, yeah. You know, like it... – at this point, you almost hope losing one of those guys simplifies things and it becomes sort of like a Ewing theory effect. Um, I will say, I'm, I'm just looking at the ESPN page. This this is a monumental amount of disrespect to say that USC is an 88.6% favorite to win this game. No, I mean, this is a team that's that going to get Andy Enfield. A slap in the face this to is a team that beat them handily already i know it, the difference between home and away is a lot and the beavers have been at the poor on the road these past three years the road woes have been talked about but these are two very winnable games and usc does not deserve that i'm upset now yeah usc just i can't believe they're their favor they're gonna get andy enfield their coach fired there's no way he survives and, this season. as they should they have a ton of NBA draft prospects and they're I know they're all losing some stock because of this but it's really not that much like the NBA scouts don't really care but he will lose his job for this yeah um so predicting a two-game sweep for Oregon State on the road in the LA schools but very big games coming up for them trying to ride the momentum keep the wave going can I just I want to keep piling on them for a second they're they do have a lot of good players, Bronny, blah, blah, blah. I wonder, I forgot to see if the Lakers were playing because maybe maybe LeBron will be there. But do you, Vincent Iwachuku is their leading rebounder. Do you want to know how many rebounds he averages a game? Um, how many? 4.7. I was going to say in their UCLA loss, this is Vincent Iwachuku's stat line. Four points, one assist, one rebound. Yeah, that's like his draft stock probably is falling. That is egregiously unimpactful. Yeah. No, no, they're not looking good. I don't – I mean, Kobe Johnson's a good guard. I think you'll see him stay on Jordan Pope. He's probably one of the better defensive guards in the country. So this is another good uh, chance for Pope to improve his drafts, draft stock. That is one thing that I had a couple of people reaching out to me about the weekend asking, do I think Jordan Pope is this – is he going to play so well? Is he going to play him into the NBA draft this year because this is such a weak draft? And my answer was maybe, possibly, if people are watching the games. I mean, you look at some of the people that they have. They have Isaiah Collier in the lottery – and you say there's no way that – I mean, Jordan Pope is clearly leaps and bounds better than Isaiah Collier, and he's only one year older. He's still a young, you know, sophomore player. I think there is a chance if he keeps on this heater like it is that you see him play himself into the NBA draft. Absolutely, and that's what's exciting about getting to play USC in L.A. There will be more scouts in attendance than there would be otherwise even in the same matchup somewhere else. So it's a great opportunity and hope they're hopefully they're excited for it. Again, maybe they get to play in front of LeBron, so they'll be up for it. Um, I, I think that you have to remember that this team is still dangerous, even if they have kind of bailed on Andy Enfield. If a they start a game hot, they're very talented and can put a 40 minutes together that'll beat a lot of teams. They did beat Stanford, and it looked like they were going to be, you know, a factor in conference play, just the same, even with a different disappointing start. But it hasn't worked out that way. Bronny's had his moments. I really like 
Ozias Sellers. That is a name that he's the only dude on the team that's played in every game for them. He averages about 17 minutes a game, very lengthy, um, has been a dude that's played really well in games where no one else has showed up and find us in the portal, Ozias. There's a better path for you than this. Yeah, I do think it's also, you know, you got to bring it up, but I think both UCLA and USC will be saying, okay, here comes Oregon State to town. This is our chance to get a win and get right back on track. So they'll be coming fired up to play Oregon State. Um, I don't think it'll be looking past. I think it'll be time for them to both try and write their season or keep the momentum going in the Bruins case. All right. Any shout outs on our way out? I uh, shout outs to our friend, Stan. We, we got a chance to meet him at the game Saturday. You're, he's a great dude. One of the best Beaver fans you can find. It was great to finally meet you in person. We appreciate you supporting us, but yeah, come say hi to us next time. I can't wait to get back to Gil. Yes. Yeah. He was very cool. And uh, shout out, just speaking of Gil, Shout out to whoever at Gill can figure out how to get like a coat check set up for all the purses or maybe just to allow a huge room or just to allow women to take their purses in. Had to walk back to the car to put a purse back in my car. We passed about a dozen women who are all pissed off going back to their car to put their purses back in. The little envelope size. I mean, I just I think it's not good. You want people at these games. So why are we making it so hard to go to them? Come on, guys. Let's come together. Just like the team's coming together, let's get these event service people coming together and get them right on track. Because I know that's not the Tinkle way. I know that's not the Oregon State way. And I know Ralph Miller, who is famous for paying players and playing above the edge, would be pissed off if he knew that people couldn't bring purses. A literal bag yeah, because it's too big. we got to start thinking about it differently. Or at least at least make the size of the, the maximum bag size larger than that. Or what about this? What about this? And I'm pitching this straight off the dome, but feel free to take this, Oregon State. You can bring your purse in, but right on the spot, you have a little Venmo card that goes straight to the NIL. And you say, okay, it's a it's a $5 bag check fee. It's and you a just bag got, check. It's fee. a bag check. We put it in quote. That's a good idea. Someone get damnation on this. God dang. That's we know idea. people that listen to this can, can get in contact with the, the players that make things move here. Belligerent beeves, if you ever check in on this anymore, come on. Put, bring that up on your podcast and get things stoned. You guys are good marketers. You guys are great. Um, the yeah, let's be still, still shout us out. Yeah, they're still they're They've got their hand on the pulse of everything. Yeah. So village bees push the bag fee to help with the NIL. I think that's a great idea. Um, okay. And then you know what else is a great idea? What's that? Fuck the ducks. Fuck the ducks. All right. Go bees forever. See y'all very soon. Hey, we're jumping back on because me and Sam forgot. We wanted to do a special shout out to the student section who was in full force and looking much better. Do Really, I think, made an impact on the game with their cheering and energy. Yeah, I, I'm sure it was the same way Thursday. I, it looked to be the case on TV. Um, but yeah, Saturday was was the best the Beaver Dam had looked um, in a long, certainly pre-COVID. They had some big games then, and it was coming back into form. The Peyton Pritchard is a fraud night. We is one that we remember fondly, but, um, you know, it's it's been a lot of work getting back to that. At one point, you were quoted in an article in the Corvallis Gazette just for going to the game. The Daily Barometer. Oh, the Daily yes. Barometer. I don't want to confuse the two. That's like confusing Oregon State and Oregon. But that, uh, That's right, yeah. And I want to give a special shout out to the kid who uh, – was taking off his shirt and putting on a luchador mask behind the Arizona State basket for every free throw. Uh, I want to give a shout out to the kids in the orange hat who were standing on the floor screaming at players. You know, that's the type of energy you need. I remember when I was in school, there was a group of frat bros who would come to every game and they'd go early so they could watch the warm-ups and specifically so they could find the best player on the opposing team and scream at him, you're a bitch, you won't fight me. 
you're a bitch, you won't fight me. And I always thought that, honestly, that got in the player's head sometimes. And I think that's the type of energy you need. <laughs> and so shout out to the students for coming back for that. It, have fun with it. I we Going back real quick to the Jordan Pope buzzer beater, we forgot to mention the student who was on the floor like before <laughs> well, yeah. the ball went in. I he wanna... knew that shit was money. Shout out to that kid as well. Yeah, shout out to the kid in the Arizona game in the, the green or camo vest who – I don't know. I've watched the replay so many times. Where does he come from? He just honestly appears out of nowhere. He's standing. He's literally standing right next to Pope, closer than any of his teammates. At, immediately after hitting the shot, that kid is a prophet. Give him his degree now. Make him a make him president of the school. All the the Instagram shots, like right after the, that goes in, he's in all of them. There's just a random kid in street clothes, like dapping up Tyler Villano and stuff. Uh, you're doing it big for all of us, man. Salute to you. Salute to you. Salute to all the students. And also, fuck the Ducks. Fuck the Ducks. Okay. Say it again. That's right. This is the end for real now. Go Beavs forever.